What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. And then join us every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. Sack City. Welcome into another episode of the Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesia Mukes. And below us, we have a very close second to my best friend award because I see he's down over there and I don't want him to feel left out. AJ, you are so far ahead of Dylan and it is not even funny. But either way, you are your boy, AJ Johnson. It is a beautiful August 4th morning here in the city. Episode 62 is about to kick off. We are talking about the end or the AFC East and their training camps that have been going on. Pre a little, we're going into a little preview, a little review, and so much more with that. We also have football. Happy football day, boys. Football's yeah. back. Football is back. We don't have to worry about it anymore. It is back, and we get it's to so see sneaky. the Jacksonville Jaguars take on <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders in the Hall of Fame game. We're, we're going to preview that in just a few moments, but how goes it? How, how goes it on this beautiful Thursday morning, Aaron? Uh, it's beautiful, like you said. It, we get to just bask in the fact that football has finally returned. I mean – we, we talk about this. The minute the Super Bowl is over, it's like this. Our facial expressions go like this. Like, <laughs> they just change, right? They just change because we know we have six, seven long, grueling months, whatever it is, of, of just nothing. Uh, we do get the draft, and we try to keep it fresh and training camps. And all. Let's be honest. Until games start actually happening, we're not happy. And, and here we are now, you know, we got a game starting. So I'm excited. Preseason or not. I'm excited to see the guys put on the pads and some of these backups and fifth stringers just get an opportunity to showcase what they're made of. And you never know. We've seen it before. The Victor Cruises of the world put on and put on in preseason. And next thing you know, they have a starting job and they're potential, you know, Super Bowl winners, and you know, good players at these positions. So I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for, for the season. Yeah. And I mean, we got to, even though that the the stars may not be playing in this game between the Jaguars and the Raiders, there's still going to be a lot of fresh faces that we're going to be able to get to see for the first time. Uh, we're going to preview that in just a few moments though, but it is time to get into our morning headlines and we're kicking it off the same way we kicked it off yesterday by talking about one Deshaun Watson. He's back in the headlines this morning. The NFL has decided to appeal the six game suspension of Deshaun Watson there are rumors out there saying that they want this to go much, much farther than just six games, not just six, not just eight, but they want an indefinite suspension. AJ, you were uh, you were the most, I feel like you were the most vocal against the six-game suspension. So what were your thoughts when it popped up saying that the NFL was going to appeal the six-game suspension? So, and I know you're speaking from memory and everything. I I was okay with the 
knowing that was what was coming down the pipeline. My thought process was that the NFL itself should appeal and would be looking for more because they have to put that out there that they didn't agree with what is going on with Deshaun Watson and what was happening, whether they're allegations or not. Six to eight games is what was expected. I, I guess I did say I wish it was at least eight, so I'll, I'll stay there. But I don't agree. I agree with the appeal. I think that's the right move for the NFL to make a statement to show people that they weren't okay with this. They did hire an independent arbitrator. They hoped that they would have. They she would have came to the conclusion that they were hoping for. That wasn't the case. So now it's on them. If this whole thing is about protecting their shield and making sure that that image stays as as clean as it can. I think the appeal is the right move. Now, I don't agree that it needs to be an indefinite suspension. I don't even agree with the year. I think the 12, if he gets to 12 games, I, I would be able to live with that. Uh, and I think the NFL would be able to as well. Um, the reason I said to me this is the right move was because even if it doesn't play out the way they are hoping for, I think the message that the NFL is sending that they don't think that what Deshaun Watson was accused of and what this whole conversation that happened over the past year uh, all took place that they did not agree with the way that the punishment came down and that they thought it should be a little bit harsher for it, Even if it doesn't shut everybody up, that's another high percentage of people that will at least be like, at least the NFL tried. And I think that's yeah. important enough for the NFL that they would make this appeal. However, uh, however it turns out. Yeah. It's, it's the ultimate. So here comes uh, Roger Goodell in the NFL to save the day, to make sure that that justice <laughs> is served with Deshaun Watson now, Aaron, I'm sure you have thoughts on this specific, like the appeal itself, but I want to see your thoughts on something else here. We, there was reports saying that if the original suspension that came down was an absurd amount and maybe a year is that absurd amount or indefinitely is an absurd amount, the NFLPA would also fight back an appeal. So what, where are we at with that and the NFLPA and possibly an all-out war between the NFLPA and the NFL? Well, you're looking at federal court. This is ultimately going to go to federal court if the appeal is overturned in any way and there's games added. The NFLPA is going to file another appeal to the federal court to talk about this arbitration. Uh, this is a mess, and this is exactly what I was talking about yesterday. We aren't talking to Sean Watson today if the NFL doesn't appeal. We've moved on. Like, that quick, we would have moved on to football. But today we're talking about Deshaun Watson again because the NFL decided to. This is the NFL doing what the NFL has constantly done. Laying in the weeds, trying to play hero and say, we did our best when ultimately, why don't, why didn't they, why did they ever hire an arbitrator? Why did they go to a judge when ultimately all they were going to do is hire somebody else to take a look at the case. And then Roger Goodell would have the ultimate say so, which he does have in the CBA. So at the end of the at the end of all of this, if Roger Goodell comes out and says, you know what, we're going to suspend him for two years, that's the end of it. Roger Goodell has that power under the CBA to actually do that, and his say so is final until the players file an appeal and take it to actual federal court. So why did Roger Goodell and the NFL feel the need to go out and hire somebody else to do it? Why? Because they didn't want the responsibility to lay a lay a, a levy of a suspension and then come back and say. Oh man, the fans are pissed off about it. We got to give them more. Or the fans are mad. We got to give them less. They didn't want none of that. They didn't want to deal with the aftermath of what the fans' reaction was going to be. What they wanted to do was let somebody else make that decision. And then when that decision came in, they could say, you know what? 
Oh, fans are mad about it. Let's do something about it. Oh, fans are doesn't seem to have an outroar or an out, uh, some rage about it. I think we're okay. We can sit back, not appeal, and move on. But because it was only six games, because the fans went crazy over it, Women's Foundation calling the NFL and all these members of these groups coming together and pushing the NFL to do something, hey, we need to do something now. Let's file this appeal and act like we're saving face. When in reality, all they're going to do now is hire another outside person to review what this outside person that they already hired did and give another decision. And then ultimately, it's going to come down to Roger Goodell saying, you know what, I agree or I disagree. This is what the final decision is. And then up to the Players Association if they want to take it to federal court. This is a big shit show. It's going to be continue to be in the news. And to me, it's just the NFL being irresponsible and not wanting to take responsibility for levying a suspension because they didn't want to deal with the backlash. That's it. And Vinny decided to leave the, the group because he knows I thought, how no, well no, I no, 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 I honestly, I saw AJ's <laughs> face and I was like, oh, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to be a good uh-huh. producer and leave because I thought uh-huh. you had a very good rebuttal coming and that didn't happen. So I read, <laughs> I read the wrong uh, thing. Honestly, I had a question because so yeah. the two things and, and I'm sincerely asking because I, I know one of them in my head is hearsay and the other is just kind of speculation of the question. The first is the hearsay. I thought there was something that was in the new CBA a couple of years ago that when cases to this magnitude uh, or cases of a certain style, they are agreed upon with the NFLPA to hire an independent arbitrator first. I don't know that that's a fact. I feel like I've heard that talked about at length when the new CBA came out. And then if that's not the case, my other question was, I also feel like there was an agreement between the NFLPA and and Roger Goodell and the NFL about hiring an independent arbitrator first and letting it be handled outside of the realm of, of, uh, of the NFL's front office. Again, yes, all I'm, of that I'm, is... I'm sure, I'm sure you're... No, you're probably right. I'm sure it was agreed upon. But my point is, is you're Roger Goodell. You are the commissioner of the NFL. And ultimately, no matter how you get there, he has the final say in the CBA. It's yeah. clear. he can. He's the judge, jury, and executioner. If you have the final say-so and you don't agree with a six-game suspension and you know that off the bat, why are we going through this process of letting somebody else make a decision when in turn you know if they only give them six games, all you're going to do is appeal that. And then you're going to appeal again. And then you're going to ultimately get it to where it's your decision and levy what you want to levy anyway. Why, why are we doing this? Why, why is this? Why are the NFL putting themselves in this situation to do that? To me, it's just like playing a game. It's allowing the NFL to save face because they continue to be the last person to say, you know what, we can, we can read the room and then make our decision and say, this is what's going to keep us out of the most hot water. And that's what they're doing here. They're, they're now saying, are we going to come in and say, you know what? We wanted an indefinite. We wanted a year. And it's going to go to some other arbitrator. And if they don't give them that year or the NFL can say, no, we felt like it should be a year. And then Roger Goodell could ultimately levy that anyway. So I just feel like this is a big waste of time. It's like, I don't want to say it's dragging Deshaun Watson through the mud because he's already <laughs> been dragged through whatever. Yeah, but it, yeah. to me, it's just... It's just keeping us from moving on. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's to keep the conversation going. But for me, like, just come to a resolution. If you want him gone for a year, then I would have preferred Roger Goodell to come out and say, I'm suspending him for a year. Let the NFLPA fight me in court. Let the NFLPA fight me on the back end and, and then let them win. But I'm going to come out and I'm going to say, we want him gone for a year right now. No ifs, ands. He never put him on the exempt list, the commissioner's yeah. exempt list, which he always has the right to do. He, he never done that. Not last year, not the beginning of this year. So what is the NFL actually trying to accomplish? 
to me, it's they're trying to, like you said, protect the brand, protect the yeah. shield, and come in as a hero. And and I can read right through all that. The NFL does not give a shit whether Deshaun Watson suspended 16 games or six games. They don't care. They do this not is, care. They care about the outrage that they receive. This is, and I'm, I'm not I'm not going to take credit for this, but this is a full on WWE move right here, where someone is getting beat up. And Roger Goodell comes in to save the day. I've seen it happen in the Vince McMahon's world too many times. And Roger Goodell yeah. is having that baby face turn and turning into the good guy and saving the day. Uh, there, there was a there was a tweet. I don't know who put it out earlier. Um, from like I think it was Adam Schefter talking about the process in which they can do that. So the appeal process can either. You know, and the commissioner can de- design, may overturn, reduce, modify, increase anything that's been put in place, mm-hmm. and it's final. What, yeah. What's the point? Yeah. So he's going to hear. He's going to name who hears the appeal. Number one. I, I, then that appeal I, process is going to happen. Then Roger Goodell can come in and say, you know what? I, no, the, this is final. This is what we're going to. The other part. The other part about it is, I feel like it's just. It really is, and maybe this is a good thing that the NFL is making sure that they do their due diligence and they're going through all the proper steps to make sure that they get the right, the right decision. And even with the fact that they had the, the, the judge rule the six game suspension and they're saying, Oh no, we don't like it. I think that they're just trying to go through all the steps and saying, okay, let's make sure that we have all the evidence. Let's make sure this is being viewed by like the legal system. And I'm not the most most credit. You know, I'm just I'm just saying I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Let's move on to the other headlines, though, uh, this morning. Uh, Hollywood Brown, the Arizona Cardinals new wide receiver, was arrested and charged with criminal speeding on Wednesday morning. Arizona Department of Safety spokesperson Bart Graves confirmed Brown was arrested at 7.05 a.m. in North Phoenix, traveling well above the 85 mile an hour speed limit. Uh, Not good for Hollywood Brown, but. Probably no no discipline coming from this. No, nothing. This well, is just going to be... To correct what you said, he, the speed limit was not 85 miles an hour. He and was so, going well over 85. That's what I said. Was, no, no. You, well, you said well over 85 the mile hour speed limit. That's well. He was going over 85. The speed limit has not been mentioned that I know of, but they said it was well over 20 miles more than what the speed limit was. Um, sorry, but going over 85 doesn't seem like something you would be arrested for. Um, unless you're going 85 in a 40 mile an hour zone yeah. or a 25 mile an hour school zone. Well, so, well, the the report the report that I saw from the from the like the police report and everything was saying he was going. Ju- it just said he was going over 85 miles an hour, like just yeah. like so. So we don't know if that's 120 miles an hour. We don't know if that's 80. Like you said, we don't know if that's 90 and a 45. We don't know the exact specifics. No, no, no. Yes, that's correct. About right. Correct. But, what I was just saying is that they said he was going 20 miles an hour. In order to get arrested, there's a certain limit over the speed limit that you have to be going. Yeah. So yeah. he was going at least 20 miles over the speed limit. So if he was going at least 85, that means the speed limit was at least 65. Yeah. But my, my point was, you're not going to get arrested for going 85 in a 65 mile an hour zone. So yeah. if the minimum we gave him was 85, he was probably in a 40 mile an hour zone. If he, yeah. And as you get higher, it goes higher, right? So um, usually if you're getting arrested, you were going over 100 miles an hour. Uh, and I'm just speaking from my DMV in California experience. You're not getting arrested for just doing 85. So uh, yeah. there's got to be something more there. But I also don't think this is going to have any impact on the plays. Okay. I mean, in a way, it's just dumb. I mean, like, 
for like for what maybe he was trying to get to practice I, I I mean, yeah, I, we, until we understand or hear from him, like we can't really go too far, but like, yeah, at this point, please have a good reason. I mean, think about Byron Pringle being dumb and obviously the, the horribleness that happened with Henry Ruggs and any other person in a, just have someone drive you, man. Like you rich, sit that's back, what, chill, relax. That, that, that's what, that's what I like. Maybe like as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw this, I remembered and obviously completely different situations with the henry ruggs right. thing but i remember the thought of that that being said with the fact that you rich man get yourself a driver i remember i, I told this before shaq griffin of the jacksonville jaguars bought a truck he's got a driver he bought a truck drove it one day got back to the crib and said hey here's the keys threw it at his homie who's drives him around and says the truck is yours now driving around everywhere like that yeah but is that is that is that the driver driving you to practice every day because i don't buy that I don't, I don't buy I, that. I, I, and so I, I if he's know. getting up in the morning to go to practice and maybe he is running late and he decides to go a little fast, like I'm not knocking anybody for speeding because I'm guilty. I got to take it right now. I got to take care of. It. So now if you want to talk about the excessive speed, I would like to see those, that, those yeah. details because yeah, I think yeah. that matters. If you're going through a school zone at 85 miles an hour, like I'm not yeah. okay with that. But if you're on the freeway and you're going, you got up to 90, 95 and, I've done it. Like I know how yeah. easy it is to do without even realizing got, you're doing it. I, I just got booked by Georgia police for that. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly. That's, I, I got a speed no ticket right man. now. All my life <laughs> I was going 90 and he marked me down at 89. So I, I understand that feeling. I'm just saying, I want to see more details before I yeah. ridicule the man. Cause it was just feeding at this. Point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Break, break, I break. was speaking to it being that bad. If it's that yeah. bad, we got, yeah. Yeah, and now now new breaking news has popped up. The NFL is now seeking to suspend Hollywood Brown for two years for this hor- horrific crime. Oh. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's and then we're we get to hear the outrage over over yeah. all that stuff. Uh, one other... Sue Robinson is the independent arbitrator for that case, by the way. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, one other uh, little nugget for the morning headlines is, Aaron, your Dallas Cowboys signing linebacker Anthony Barr. What are your thoughts on this move? I love it. I love it. I think it's a good move for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we talked about the depth uh, on defense that maybe they lost a little bit with Randy Gregory, but I think what this does more, more so than anything is it allows Micah Parsons to continue to be first. They drafted a Sam Williams to kind of fill that replacement of a Randy Gregory to sit on that other edge. Maybe he doesn't start. Dorrance Armstrong is there, but eventually I think that'll be the guy. And now you bring in Anthony Barr who can fill that will linebacker position. Still have Van Der Esch. You have Jabril Cox who's another year deep in his career. Um, I think this allowed Micah Parsons to get on the line of scrimmage to be versatile like he was last year. And I think that's all this is about. Being versatile with your best player on defense gives you so much flexibility. They needed another guy at the linebacking position to, to look at and say, we trust you. I mean, Anthony Barr has done a lot in this league. He's not the same player he was when he was 26 years old making Pro Bowls, and he's been banged up over the past few seasons. But this guy is a four-time Pro Bowler. He played in the middle of a defense that was good at the time under Mike Zimmer. Um, again, being able to bring in a veteran like that, a leader like that, is going to be important. And he's not super old. I mean, he's 29 going on 30. He'll be 30 this year. Probably has another two, like, decent to good seasons in him before he really starts to decline. Um, I like the move a lot, and they got him cheap. Yeah. I, I think it just it, it definitely brings that con- I feel like it brings that consistency. He's just a solid linebacker. He's going to bring that consistency uh, to a Dallas Cowboys team. I mean, that defense is already pretty damn good. So adding Anthony Barr, that's that's a good a good deal in my opinion. AJ, do you have any thoughts on this before we move on to uh, a little? I little also like the move. That's it. I also like to move. Anthony Barr has been great. I I co-sign everything Aaron said. Boom. <laughs> 
Boom. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's now move on. Uh, AJ, we need to pay some bills before we get into our little oh. Thursday night preview. So without further ado, I'm going to play this happens. sweet, Let's sweet this. beat. I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to let it ride this your beat. Mm-hmm. You ready? Sounds good? Good morning, Sac City. We appreciate y'all boys and ladies and men and gentlemen, cats, dogs, chickens, ducks, all of you. Rocking with the Sac City Pod on every social media platform you have. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, all at Sac City Pod. So make sure you head over to those social media platforms, hit those likes, hit those loves, hit those shares. That's a real important one right next to the subscribe. Before you do anything and leaving that page, follow, share, subscribe. Do it all. Do it all. Because you have to let everyone know about the Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok every Wednesday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. And a little birdie told me we might just get busier now that football's coming up. We might just have to talk football all the time. Either way, hashtag GMSC. Good morning, sexy. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right, Thursday night football coming your way tonight with the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in the Hall of Fame game some faces that won't be seen today. Unfortunately, we're not going to be seeing some Trevor Lawrence on the Jaguars side. Uh, other names that we're going to get into on who's not playing and who's in, who's out. Aaron, let's get into the preview of this Thursday night football game. What are you looking for? Uh, man, I'm looking forward to this Jaguars defense. This Jaguars defense that we just talked about. These young guys being able to come in and make an impact. We got to look directly, obviously, at the number one pick overall. I'm not sure if they mentioned whether he was playing or not, but... Trayvon Walker, if he's on the field, I'm looking for him. When you spend a first-round pick on a guy, everybody's looking for, for what, what's that going to look like. Is he going to be able to wreak havoc on the quarterback? I think that's going to be important. But more so than anything, just the cohesive unity of that defense coming together. We talked about all the new names that they've added, um, all the rookies that they've added, the linebacking course specifically, and Aluakon and Lloyd and Walker and Muma. Like, there's a lot of guys there in that linebacking core. Are they going to be able to gel? And then that back end of that defense, we talked about Rayshon Jenkins. Darius Williams being in there. So I'm looking for that defense to kind of stand out and make a statement. And usually early in preseason, early in the regular season, defenses are ahead of the offense, right? New playbooks, especially with teams with new coaches, new personnel. Defense, you can go out there and you can say, go make a play, uh, be aggressive and make something happen. So I'm looking directly at that Jaguars defense, see if they can stop a pretty good Raiders offense. And I know they're probably not going to have their starters either, but just to come out and make a statement to what type of unit they're actually going to be in 2020. AJ, what are you uh, what are you looking for in this game? I'm glad he went on one side of the ball because I'm going on both sides of the ball. It's the first game of the year. Not many of the people that we know are going to be on the field in week one are here. So who are those guys who really want to make these rosters? Who are the guys that are going to stand out? Who are the young cats who are just like, it's today or it's never. Let me step up. Are we going to see a guy uh, like Snoop Connor, who's probably going to get a lot of run, prove that he deserves to be the third? Is Rykel Armstead going to show that he's going to be the guy and Snoop Connor's going to have to take a year or two? On the other side, you got new receivers. Who's going to be the guy behind Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro now that uh, Brian Edwards is gone too? Say Jones is gone too. Is it a guy that you're looking in under Marcus Robinson who just got there? Is Keelan Cole going to step up and be there? And those are some vets in the league who are now probably looking for a place to – uh, to really like hang their hat and be able to put pads on day in and day out. So I'm excited to just see who's going to be those breakout guys who, I guess, earn themselves another week on the roster at the very least. 
Yeah. And just a note here, Trayvon Walker will be playing uh, in this mm-hmm. game. Um, I'm excited. So will... I'm excited because you guys know That's how fun. much I, I like him. I want him to yeah. prove why he deserved to be a number one pick, despite the lack yeah. of yeah, we will get to see him most likely lined up and matched up against another first round, former first round pick in Alex Leatherwood for the Las Vegas Raiders. So that, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He should dominate. Leatherwood's yeah. a bum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Let's get into that. Wait. Oh, oh, let's do it. Let's get in to score predictions. Let's predict the game. We haven't done this in so long. Not that this matters. Are we really going to predict this preseason game? Damn right we're going to predict this game. Damn right we're going to predict this game. We are going to predict who wins and what the score is for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Las Vegas Raiders, Hall of Fame game. Aaron, start us off. You didn't even tell me this was going to happen. I, I need to look at one thing. I'm sorry. I just need you, to look at look. you are always prepared. That's what that's what I've always heard from you. Is yeah, that, that is true. true. That is true. I am going to take. Oh. I just need to look at one thing to make sure I was right. Um, I, I I think this is going to be a defensive game. They always are preseason to start. Offenses will struggle. Defenses will be ahead. I'm going to take the Jaguars in this one to win the Hall of Fame game, and I am going to take them to win 19 to 16. Jacksonville over the I, I like Ooh. the backup quarterback position better in Jacksonville than I do in the Raiders. Mariota's yeah, gone. TJ Beat Hard is is my guy. That guy that he's uh, not playing. Oh, he's not. He's not. Oof. Jake Jake, Jake Luton. It'll be Jake oh, okay. Luton and uh, the kid from the USFL. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Kyle Slaughter. Yeah, Kyle Slaughter. Those will be the two quarterbacks of the Jaguars for. For tomorrow, for tonight, had some experience. Played, actually started before. So, uh, I will take. I will take Jackson. Thank okay, you. okay, okay. Yeah. AJ, yeah. Uh, so I was going the same way. Actually, not that close of a score though. I was going to take Jackson on this game as well. Uh, and uh, I just kind of like what they have going on there. It's, in the preseason, it's one of those things where, like, the teams that in the regular season you probably wouldn't take, they're probably the ones who are playing their best in the preseason. Uh, it just kind of rolls that way. So I'm going to go with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and the number one overall picks in Trayvon Walker and Trevor Lawrence, who's not there, but his presence will be felt. Uh, give me 18. I swear that was going to be the winning score I had first uh, to 13. You know what's I, funny? You know what's funny is the uh, – Jacksonville's starters from last year that now got pushed down the roster are now back. Think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see some LaVisca Chanel tonight, huh? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah, you're good. But that's what I'm saying. you got guys that have yep. been starting for two years now being yeah. pushed down on the roster. So those are the guys that are going to get the, the playing time in preseason. I feel comfortable about yeah. the second, third, and fourth quarters with those guys over the Raiders who don't have the depth like, like yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have it all. Yeah, it should it, never... it, it should be a Jarrett Stidham uh, versus Jake Luton start off for these two teams in their quarterback position. Uh, and then the Jaguars would bring in Sloter and the Raiders would bring in another San, former San Francisco 49er quarterback in Nick Mullins, who, Mullins. who will possibly get Ooh. some play. No Travis Etienne for the Jaguars. Like you said, AJ, you'll probably see a good bit of LaVisca Chenault on the field. Uh, I always like going with like the lower scoring games and, I was going to go with 16 to 13. Uh, give me the Jaguars. You know, Tony Baselli getting into the Hall of Fame. Jags should be fired up. Doug Peterson era. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, man. I'm hopeful. Is, is, now I know this is a stupid question because it is very stupid. Don't ask it. 
Why why didn't he come out and announce James Robinson not playing? He, James Robinson isn't playing. Yeah, but I didn't hear that announcement. I'm just like well, it was made an announcement so, was made that ETN and Lawrence weren't playing. He never said yeah. anything about James Robinson to my knowledge. Because I don't think I, I don't think anyone expects James Robin James Robinson to have been ready for this game. Okay, well I mean he's he not on the he, hasn't, he hasn't played he hasn't mm-hmm. he hasn't done any any contact drills, I don't think, in in, in practice. Okay, I but, mean I, I, I didn't anticipate him playing. I'm just saying I was I was I was just weird how he announced Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, but didn't announce James Robinson. Well, so it, it's it, it's interesting that you you bring that up, and I, this will be the last thing we talk about with this game. Heading into the Jacksonville Jaguars season, Doug Peterson has has made it pretty clear to reporters that James Robinson is the RB one on this team, the clear cut RB one. And from what I saw from reporters today, they said that. It's not even a 1A, 1B situation. It is a James Robinson is your three down back. And then you are going to see ETN in the more the passing game type of role. That all could change from now till to, to, to week one. That might change from now till week six. I mean, who knows? Who knows how that's going to shake out? We're going to be all over it, though, for the Sac City podcast coverage on this great football season. Without further ado, though, let's get into our AFC East Training camp, deep dive. We kick things off with the Buffalo Bills. Their camp has been going on every single day. They have had a sellout for Bills camp. And why not? This team is the Super Bowl favorite heading into the season. They did have and suffer some big-time injuries, though. Not too serious for Micah Hyde, but Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde both got hurt uh, during training camp for the Bills. Aaron, I'm going to send this one off to you. With those guys getting hurt, what does the safety position look like behind them, and how has camp been going in their absence? Um. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I mean, that's no, all I no, can say. No, no, if, no, Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly where I was going. I was hoping somebody's filling the blank. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Bills. I'll say it right now, and I don't. They don't have those two. They're in trouble. They have five safeties on the roster. Two of them are Jordan Poyer and Mike Hyde. They rely heavily on those two, especially on that back end, as leaders. And, yes, they, they drafted a Kyrie Elam, who we expect to be good. Davius White's a, a, an excellent cornerback, and Teron Johnson's really good in the in the nickel. But if you don't have that back end solidified, you are in trouble. Jamar Hamlin, Daquan Johnson, and Josh Thomas. Those are the other three backs, or the three defensive backs on that roster. Uh, combined one start between the two back direct backups. One start. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but these two are the leaders of that defense. We They talked about it all last season, how important a Poyer and a Micah Hyde are for this defense and how it runs. Uh, these, If these two are gone for any significant amount of time, the Bills are going to be in trouble on the back end. Now, with that being said, they don't think the injuries are really going to be too worrisome, and I, I don't think so as I don't think so as well. And I think right now you're just getting valuable reps for those young guys to, to give them the op- opportunities to earn playing time, to earn their – solidify their spot on the roster and say, okay, if we do happen to run into an injury later in the season where Poyer or Micah Hyde miss games, then we feel comfortable about putting you in on the field and not take some significant hit uh, defensively. But if one of them are gone, they can manage. If two of them are gone for a significant amount of time, those are. Yeah. And, and, and Lovey Smith even came out and, and brought up the fact that it's going to be good to see these guys, these backups come in uh, for these valuable reps while Poyer and Micah Hyde are sitting out. 
Uh, we get a chance to watch those guys in game-like situations and be able to determine you know, who's going to be our third safety if something were to happen to uh, Micah Jordan or if we want to take them out of a game and because we have a big lead or whatever, how those guys are going to perform. So it's not a, necessarily a bad thing. They're getting more reps. It really helps us from an evaluation standpoint. And they, they both have accepted it very, very well. They're kind of neck and neck right now. Uh, which is not a bad thing. And I, I would imagine once we start playing some games in the preseason, it'll kind of separate itself. But they're both doing very well with the reps they're getting. So I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, every I'm black real, guy looks alike. I'm every a real black piece guy of shit. looks alike. Leslie <laughs> Frazier is now Lovey Smith. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I don't just, get it. I did not mean to do that. I will apologize. I really did not mean to say that or do that. It was not intentional. I, <laughs> it is not, I, I even have it in the doc. Correct. Yes, I know. <laughs> and I am a real piece of shit. And uh, yeah. So, yeah. so there, so there's that. Yeah. So <laughs> Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills had that to say about the situation. I think it's a good thing. I think it is a good thing though, that you're getting these valuable reps for, for these safeties who are now going to be potentially coming in for Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Um, but you're right. It, it, they'll, they're going to be key to the bill, to this bill success. They have to be on the field. They're the leaders of that group, switching things up to the offensive side of the ball. AJ, you have been a big fan of one Khalil secure the wide receiver, the rookie, rookie wide receiver out of Boise state. Now with the Buffalo bills, you've been a big fan of his, he joins the likes of Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, a good group of guys there in Buffalo in the receiver group. What is the depth chart order look like for the bills beyond oh. Stefan Diggs? Okay. All right. Well, let me just say, <laughs> every black person looks like <laughs> it ain't even been two and a half minutes and you can't even well that's how they do it down there in plantation florida gmsc fans let's talk about some of these receivers and now that cole beasley's gone a lot of them are black i hope Vinny can tell who i'm talking about uh, so I'm glad you asked this question that way uh, because the way you had it in the doc, I was going to be like, I don't know why you even asked that question this way. But uh, that order, I think one and two are actually locked. You know, Stefan Diggs is the leader of that wide receiver group. And Gabe, Dave, Gabe Davis, who has been waiting around about two years, really showed that he deserves this spot. He stepped up, and I'm pretty sure that he's locked in at the number two. But after that is where it gets a little a little – a little confusing, but not too much in my opinion. Uh, yes, I like Khalil Shakir, but, uh, but I'm not going to be here and say he's going to be the number three receiver. I think it's going to take a while before he really sees the field. And that becomes the reason because this, like you said, is a Super Bowl favorite type of team. Uh, there's some guys that know this offense in and out. There's some guys that know Josh Allen and what he likes to do, like the guy I believe is going to be at number three in Isaiah McKenzie. Now, Isaiah McKenzie, everyone was all excited about last season. Uh, and it's funny because, yes, he's good and everything. But, like, really, it was a one game where he had 12 targets, 11 catches, and 125 yards. Breakout game, very nice to see. Hope he has a couple of those. But the other part of it is his mentality. The way he stepped up in training camp and the way he's been right there on Josh Allen's hip, taking in everything he's had to say, helping Josh Allen when he's getting frustrated, being 
taking what the media is throwing at him and just knocking it off. They called him a gadget guy the other day in a press conference. He's like, oh, man, I really love that. More titles means more money. I'm ready to step up and do whatever I can for this team. So I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to be there locked in number three. But he is fighting a proven veteran in Jamison Crowder who hasn't been a super stud for the last four years, but he hasn't been a slouch by any means in New York with all their struggles, whether it was Sam Darnold or last year where uh, Zach Wilson finally got in there and started to get off a little bit. So I think with this, as you mentioned, being a Super Bowl team, as we talked about at nauseum last season, how they don't run the ball enough and they like to pass, you are going to see this offense spread the ball around. So I do think Jamison Crowder is going to get in there. But let's not forget this Buffalo Bills team loves that three wide out set. So that I, that number three spot is very important. And without any injuries, I think you're looking at Stephon Diggs, uh, Gabriel Davis, and then Isaiah McKenzie right there, one, two, and three. I, I've been hearing a lot about, and this that's really why I asked. I didn't think it was that obvious with the wide receiver, like the order of it being being that in, in Buffalo, I've been hearing a lot about Isaiah McKenzie having a very good camp and they've been using him a lot in the slot. And I guess not so, so much of like the order of, okay, it's going to be Diggs and, and, and uh, Gabe Davis on the outside. And then, and then uh, Isaiah McKenzie in the slot, I think, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts, Aaron, on this is it, it's like almost a copycat league with the NFL and the success and the way, the way things are, that are ran the Los Angeles Rams last year were so successful lining up Cooper cup in the slot and basically just tearing apart teams through that. Do you see a, a, a world where Buffalo copies that and uses Isaiah McKenzie almost more than Gabe Davis because Isaiah McKenzie is a slot receiver on that offense? No. Okay. Um, I don't think it's fair to call Isaiah McKenzie the slot receiver in this offense because I think it still centers around where Stefan Diggs is. And Stefan Diggs moves all around. So Stefan Diggs plays in the slot, plays on the outside. They're going to want to get him the ball first. Um, Gabe Davis is probably more of that just outside guy. I think it's I, I think to AJ's point, I would have went even a step further. I think it's clear the top three are clear. Isaiah McKenzie was a free agent that they could have just let walk out the door. And instead, they did sign him. I know they drafted a Khalil Shakir. I know they went and got James Crowder. But they could have done that and let Isaiah McKenzie walk out the door. And instead, they gave him a two-year contract worth about $8 million, which is not cheap. Like, I know it's still $4 million a year or whatever it is. But for a third wide receiver, that's not a cheap contract when you're also paying Gabe Davis, also paying a, a Stephon Diggs and a $70 million a year in Josh Allen or whatever he's making now. Um, I think what this points to is that Isaiah McKenzie knows the offense. Isaiah McKenzie is a playmaker that he's just different. He's not like a, your, your typical, prototypical wide receiver. It reminds me a lot of a Taylor Gabriel when he had his good years in Atlanta or in Chicago or wherever. Um, I see that a lot in Isaiah McKenzie. He's very versatile and he's not going to put up spectacular numbers. Fantasy asset, probably not. But when you talk about real football, the things you can do with him on the field is, is game changing. And we saw some of that last year when the ball's in his hands, he's electric. And I think they want to do more of that. So um, I don't really think this is much of a competition. Um, I think Khalil Shakir is having a really good camp. They talked about him having a good camp. Jamison Crowder is a veteran, but he's been banged up. He's not probably not going to be reliable for most of the year. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, to me, is a better version, a more electric version of Cole Beasley with maybe with not the reliability, if that makes sense. Like, Cole Beasley yeah. is probably more reliable because he's a really excellent route runner out of the slot, traditional. 
but he's not electric. Where Isaiah McKenzie maybe doesn't give you all the the technical stuff when the ball's in his hand, he can go 90 yards and he's electric. Hope he couldn't do that. So I think they just said, you know what, we're going to go with the electric guy over this sure thing, and we can bring in a Crowder who can give us what Cole Beasley is. Yeah. I, I think that's where it's at. I think the way the depth chart lays out now is where the Bills' depth chart probably remains throughout the course of the year, barring. Yeah, that, that that's that's fair. And Isaiah McKenzie in an, in uh, one of the press conferences was actually it was brought up that he's been labeled as a gadget guy, and he responded with, uh, "Not only is he good with that, he says it means more money." So there you go, there you go, Debo Samuel. We just saw it happen. Let's move on to the New England Patriots and their training camp. And well, guys, this has been. Uh, the mo- this has probably been one of the more interesting training camps in New England Patriots history with the fact that they lost Josh McDaniels. The chatter about who's calling the plays on offense has been swarming around camp. And the fact that there has been a lot of inconsistency with the offense throughout camp. From the reports I've seen, it has looked like the defense has been pretty much dominating all of camp, winning every single day. Aaron, what does this new offensive system actually look like this season? What's it going to look like? What is what does it look like in camp? What have you seen? Tell us about this new New England Patriots offense and in the least biased way you possibly can, because I know how much you hate the Patriots offense. First I'm of kidding. all, first of all, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. My, my first answer would be, duh. Duh, the defense is winning every day. And why are you asking me a question that I can't answer? The New England Patriots can't even tell you what their <laughs> offense is going to look like. And they're in the building every day. And you want me, just some fan slash analyst slash biased New England hater to tell you what an <laughs> offense that is going to look like in 2022 when they don't even know who's doing it. They don't even know who's calling the plays. All they know is Mac Jones looks a little bit buffer this year. That's all, I've, that's all I've heard in camp is that he's looking a little bit more ripped. He's been in the gym. He's looking more polished. But yet every day in practice, the defense is winning. Where is that coming from? The, the fact is, is New England doesn't have an identity. They haven't had an identity since Tom Brady's last season when he threw that interception uh, uh, to the Tennessee Titans and cost them a playoff game. The fact is, this offense is devoid of weapons. They have an extremely good running game. That I, I would imagine this is what it looks like. They lean heavily on the run again. They run play action, and they hope a guy like Devontae Parker can continue what he's done when he's healthy on the field, which is make plays. And hopefully Mac Jones has a go-to receiver. Because Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, uh, who's the other guy that just – Jacoby Myers who just scored his first touchdown of his career last year, been in the league for 20 seasons. They just aren't enough. Um, And so we're just looking at an offense that's in shambles right now. We don't know what they're going to look like. There is no Josh Belichick is not an offensive guru. By any stretch of the imagination, I know people believe it, but he was not an offensive guy. He never has been. Always had good offensive guys around him. And now I don't know if that's the case. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. It might be the first time ever in Sac City history that you stumbled. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. I did. I did do some research on this too to see maybe what, like what, what people are saying, what reporters are saying out of camp for this. And this one stuck out. Uh, stuck out to me says it appears that the Patriots are moving to a style of offense made famous by Los Angeles Rams coach, Sean McVay. So I don't oh, yeah, know. That's going to work. That's going to work with immobile ass Mac Jones and nobody to run the style of receiver like a Cooper cup 
or even in uh, even before that, a Robert Wood. Who's gonna do that? Who's gonna run that offense? Like this, this. I oh my god, that's so frustrating. Yeah, it is I so don't. frustrating <laughs> when teams are, are like because I get what they're saying. The the formations, all that stuff might be the same, but the play calls can't be the same when you don't have the same personnel. When you don't have Matt Stafford, when you don't have the the uh, ability of a Cooper Cup, ability of a Robert Woods, different. Like it, the offense is different. It doesn't look the same. So uh, it just, to me, those words you use, it appears, it seems, yeah. it means nobody. Well, does. It, well, it seems like it's, it does have a lot to do with the formations that the Patriots have been running uh, throughout camp. Mac Jones says this different teams around the league use tight bunches. A lot of times it's for their advantage. And we're trying to do that a little bit more. There are different plays you can run out of them. Anything that's different can help confuse the defense. So what they're trying to do, based on that comment by Mac Jones, because I hadn't heard that, what they're trying to do is get more people in. Um, this by running bunch formations, you can run a lot of crossing routes. When you run crossing routes, especially against man coverage, harder to keep up with them. You're throwing to more open receivers. How is you going to help Mac Jones in order to is have more open guys? Right? Yeah. He doesn't have to read as much, and he doesn't have to move as much. That's that's great. That's great. <laughs> so you run into a zone defense, and you can't throw it against that yeah. bunch like it, it, it's a great concept and i get i get what he's saying there that would be my guess is because they're trying to get more of those receivers that aren't able to get off of man coverage like the nelson aguilar's the kindred Bourne, to be able to run in space more by running those bunch of yeah yeah and they and they did talk about how the um there's been a lot more deep balls thrown in camp to guys like uh Devontae parker Nelson Aguilar, uh, Tyquan Thornton has been a star for them so far this off this uh, this uh, training camp. AJ, they sure could use him. They sure could. They yeah. sure could use a Tyquan Thornton to be great. Like, and they've always drafted shitty writers. Like, if he comes out and he's great, they sure could. Yeah, yeah, they could. AJ, with with the fact that the defense has been absolutely dominating training camp, from what the reporters have been saying, what has been actually the best looking position group during training camp for the New England Patriots? Well, you know, you guys did spend a lot of time on the defense and, uh, you know, that secondary has been looking good with Jalen Mills coming in there and showing what he can do for, at least he gets to play on the good side of the ball for the uh, New England Patriots. But uh, I was going to play devil's advocate and I was going to make you guys a little angry and uh, tell you that I've been excited. Well, sorry, let's go back. That's, that's, a, that's a stretch. Uh, I, ears perked up a little bit on day six and seven of the Patriots uh, training camp as the wide receivers actually were looking pretty good. Uh, we've, seen some, we've seen some good play from some of these guys. The Tyquan Thornton thing has been a name that's kept coming up over and over and over again. Uh, he's been showing some, that speed that they drafted him for. Apparently it's legit. Apparently he's making it happen. And Mac Jones every now and then is getting the right connection. I, I don't know if we're going to keep seeing that over and over again. Uh, we keep watching Devontae Parker and his, his sideline work looking great. Uh, Tyquan Thornton's sideline working great. Jacoby Myers is actually making some acrobatic catches here and there. Now, with that being said, a lot of that's happening on one-on-ones and uh, just regular drills with nobody else around. So until there's actual, this is happening in 11-on-11 and 7-on-7 and things like that, obviously we can't get too excited. But it's good to see that the, a very important group and a very big part of what Mac Jones is going to need for his second-year leap is stepping up and trying their best to make him look good. Uh, that, that's something that you can nod your head to and hope it keeps trending in the right direction. Got a bold statement. Oh boy. AJ just made me bring it up because I had to look at the <laughs> depth chart. 
No, you didn't say anything about it, but um, I, I not even a bold statement. I, I just want to point out something that I'm interested to see as we head into the I, I said this the other day or a while back about Bailey Zappi. Mm-hmm. I I have a feeling that Bailey Zappi is going to be really good in the league. I, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I I really do. I hope yeah. he gets an opportunity in the preseason to play a lot because I'm not saying he's pushing Mac Jones out. I, I, don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> but how dare you? I think there's going to be a conversation at some point with how good he's look he looks in the preseason that they are going to bump him above Hoyer who's a veteran, been there a long time, and you can always start him from wherever he's at on the depth chart. And that if at any point in time Mac Jones struggles, there's going to be something in the back of Bill, Bill Belichick's mind saying, do I have Brady to there is There was no reason, there was no reason for the Patriots to draft a quarterback. There wasn't a reason. I mean, they didn't have to spend one of their draft picks on, on Zappi, and they did. And, and they did. And to me, that's a Belichick thing. And it would not shock me if at any time that Belichick says, let's move this guy up a little. Let's play him a little bit more in preseason. Let's see what he's got. And then if Mac Jones struggles in a game where they're getting blown out or they're blowing out somebody and they bench him and Zappy comes into a game and looks great. Oh. We saw this the other year with Cam Newton when they kept benching him and bringing in Stidham to try to get yeah. somebody to prove what? themselves. That's what I, I, I just said. I, you never you think- know. You think that'll actually happen? I mean, we talk a lot about how like your your investments and what you have invested in the in like the quarterback position, and you're not going to. We talked about Malik Willis with the Titans. Like yeah. they don't have much invested in them, so they don't have to play them. But the New England Patriots have a good amount of draft capital. I don't think in- Belichick cares. Okay, uh, I think that's the one coach that doesn't care. Like if he sees, I got the next Tom Brady. This is the guy that wanted to get rid of Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, let's. Let, let's yeah. remember that he wanted to get rid of Tom he Brady. Wants to, to be first. To, to he wants to be chaos. first. So Ugh. I just think that would be crazy. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do want to see how well Bailey Zappi plays. Oh, I can just see it now. Mac Jones to like the Carolina Panthers or the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> when they move on from Kirk Cousins. And oh <laughs> man, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, our second to last team of the AFC East. It's the Miami Dolphins. And their training camp has been going underway. And they it's been an absolute seesaw of a training camp from what I have seen between the offense and the defense winning days. It's been back and forth. But Tuesday, the offense absolutely smoked the defense. On Wednesday, it was a chance for the Dolphins defense to, to come back. And they damn sure showed up Aaron. Actually, AJ, this is going to you. Who on the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins during camp has stood out to you? So this may be a name not many people know of, uh, but uh, I'm going with Trill Williams, uh, the young kid who's stepping up real big. He's been all over anybody they basically lined him up on. Uh, got a couple interceptions in camp, but he's got double digits on pass breakups right now in camp. He's, his instincts are great. His ball skills are great. His footwork is great. Uh but at the same time, I mean, that secondary is ridiculous with Javon Holland back there, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. There, you know, there's a lot of people ahead of you for you to even make a play on the game. So uh, with, with that being said, what he's doing is good. It may, on, it may uh, offer him a spot on the roster. But, I mean, barring injury, you know, it's one of those, he's one of those guys that if he makes a spot, if he gets the roster, uh, he's 
going to be in those deep situations, those those dimes, those four back type of situations. I don't think you see him coming in and you know taking second cornerback reps or even slot reps or anything of that nature. So, uh, but for right now and what they need for these young guys to step up, uh, Trill Williams has looked really good over the past couple of days. I like how you brought up a training camp stat. That's what I—that's my favorite part. You brought hey man, up. I got a, you, bro. I know what we like around here. Hey, 11, training camp stats are what matter. That, that hey, eleven for eleven right there. The training camp stats, past <laughs> past breakups during camp is, is a is a good stat though. It's, that it, it, it actually, that actually does mean more for a defensive back or quarterback than than a quarter than a quarterback. Uh, because that means that they're seeing the ball well, they're making plays, and they're being aggressive. That's that's a good thing. What do you? What do you? Uh, what, you, you good over there? Laughing about Gigglebits. Yeah, what, I didn't say anything. You look. You look like you want to just shit I'm just on. Waiting something. for my. I'm, no, I'm just waiting for my. Man had, <laughs> man had some Snickers like he hungry. <laughs> okay, yeah. Eat, eat a wait, Snickers, or you're not you. I'm waiting for hungry. you to ask me a question. I would. I didn't have to say anything to say about AJ. What AJ's point was. AJ's point. It was good. Trust me. You'll know when I disagree because I'll jump in. I don't. I don't. I don't ever sugarcoat it. I hop right in and say what I feel. That was a great point. I'm okay with it. Now move well, on. Well, here's your chance. Here's your chance. Give us the scouting report. <laughs> Tua Tungavaloa, big conversation. Give us a scouting report on how he has looked so far in camp, Aaron. Yeah, it's funny. We get a daily report from the Dolphins quarterback. Like, it's they feel like they need to talk about it every day. Um, he's been good, to be honest. A lot of the talk, a lot of the conversations around him has been good. For the first day of padded practice, which was, I believe, yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, he, he had his strongest performance um, of the camp. So he had a really good performance. And then yesterday, so the day before yesterday was good. Yesterday, it wasn't so great. Since you like numbers, he went 10 of 16. He yeah. had one really he had one really nice throw. But look, this boils down to just the lack of confidence that everybody has in Tua. We haven't seen it, right? But he's also really hasn't had the offensive weapons, nor the offensive line, nor the structure on offense to really make things happen. We anticipate a Mike McDaniels coming in, changing that offense to look different, to bring in guys, Cedric Wilson, Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle. Now you have weapons. Mike Gesicki, bring in a Chase Edmonds. You have Miles Gaskin still. You still got guys like Salvin Ahmed. You got Raheem Mostert. Like they've loaded them up with weapons. Now all those weapons aren't going to pan out. They're not all going to be great. But they can't turn the page next year and look back on 2022 and say Tua didn't have enough. Right? This is the year Tua had enough. He just has to be able to perform. And I think so far in camp we've seen that. We've seen us be able to connect with, continue to connect with Jalen Waddle, to find Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has been, who knows if it's just I'm a teammate talk, like praising the ball that Tua Tagovailoa throws, how accurate he is. And some of the things he said were things that we said coming out of college. His deep ball accuracy. He knows how to pinpoint ball, put a ball in place. Like those were things we talked about, and then somehow they got lost in the fact that he was injured, didn't play or look like a Justin Herbert. But I think Tua is showing that he's going to be, he's good enough to be the leader of a team, to be the number one quarterback option. Is he ever going to be a franchise Patrick Mahomes style quarterback? Maybe not, but do we need him to be? I think that's really the question. Can he be Matt Stafford? Can he be some of these Derek Carr? Like I know Derek Carr hasn't been anywhere, but like still still look at Derek Carr and like, that's a good quarterback paid him a big amount of money. Could he be one of those guys? I think he can. I think he has the tools to do that. And uh, so far in camp, he's looked better than he has in the past. And I think that's important. We also have to remember he came in the NFL at a weird time. Rookie year, free yeah. eight or uh Ryan Fitzpatrick was there. That whole thing played out. Then we had COVID, no off seasons. Like 
we forget that quarterbacks need those off seasons in order to really grow. Some of these players that came in in 2020, 2019, 2020, and 2021, they are a little bit behind some of those other guys. So um, give him another year. We see what he's working with this year, but I, I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, and, and the team around him absolutely loves him and respects him. Like that's one of the biggest things that I've, I've seen as a big takeaway when I'm looking up to his stuff from the Dolphins camp is the fact that everyone is just really rallying around him. They all respect him. They all respect what he's doing. And he is making the plays in training camp. Uh, although, again, it is just training camp. But he is making the plays. And offensive quarter, quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel has been very high on him, saying he's pleased with he's he's been pleased with what he's done. He's not afraid to speak up. He's a lead by example guy. He's going to let his play speak for itself. But if he needs to like to, I feel like Tua is taking all the right steps uh, to be a good quarterback in this league. Yep. And now with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Mike is He's got the weapons around him to make it happen. And uh, it's going to be a fun season in Miami. Let's wrap things up with the New York Jets. And you guys, I feel like you guys helped me build toward this ridiculous statistic that I have for a training camp stat. You guys have been dropping some little nuggets of training camp stats. Well, get this. Zach Wilson at, at, at Jets camp the other day completed a pass at 67 miles per hour. The fastest documented training camp pass in the next gen stat era that the next gen stats track training camp stats since 2017 and Zach Wilson has thrown the fastest pass in training camp history. That's what it is. 67 miles an hour because nerds like you Damn will right. go look them up and Damn talk about right. It's not like I just look up like ridiculous. It's not like I Google search. Yeah, you Actually, did. you probably can go through my Google search yeah. and see the fact that I search ridiculous stats to drop on the stats of the <laughs> podcast. That's what it is. Um, That's exactly how it's Googled, by the way. <laughs> ex- exactly how it's Googled. Exactly how it's Googled. No, but the Jets, the Jets camp has been rolling. There's been a lot of good sights and, and, and sounds from the Jets camp. Zach Wilson has looked up and down, up and down. Aaron, I'm going to start with you with Zach Wilson. What do you look for in a training camp for a second-year quarterback like Zach Wilson? What are the things you're hoping to see along those lines for the second-year man? Improvement and comfort. Like, I, I, I don't expect Zach Wilson to come out this year and be Patrick Mahomes year two or Josh Allen or whatever. Like, I want to see improvement, and I want to see comfort and chemistry. Is he doing things this year that he wasn't able to do last year? Is reading defense a little bit better? Can he now pick up schemes on defense and make adjustments? Maybe can he change more plays at the line of scrimmage? Does he have a better handle of the offense? Those are things that I'm looking for because at the end of the day, it's all about reps. It's all about how many reps is he going to get in-game action to improve. And he can only do so much in training camp, and I think that's important. But we talked about developing connections with guys like Elijah Moore. We know – I know AJ's going to talk about him and the things he's been doing in camp have been special. Garrett Wilson's a rookie coming in and kind of taking him under his wing and kind of developing that connection. Then you have guys like Corey Davis who who now have been there a year. I think this is just about growth for Zach Wilson. He's already talked about, you know, this is not football really related, but he, he deleted his social media saying that he just didn't want to hear any more of the outside noise. He just, there's guys that he needs or things he needs to focus on. And the people that he needs to focus on are, are the people that he talks to. He doesn't need to hear from anybody else. I, I like that mentality. Um, I don't like it if it means people got under your skin, but I do like it if you say, you know what, the hell with the outside noise. I'm going to do me and I'm going to focus on being the best quarterback that I can. So I'm okay with that mindset. Um, I think that will breed, hey, let's just get better each day. 
And by game six, seven, eight, nine, we can look at the product that the Jets are putting on the field and say, maybe they did draft their franchise quarterback. Yeah. And what do you think, what do you think about the the struggles that he's had during camp so far? Because there's been reports saying that that he's been very up and down. And most recently, I believe it was yesterday in yesterday's camp, uh, the offense had two three and outs during a live ch- the, the, their live chances um, and two straight three and outs. And what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I always find it funny in those conversations because you're going to go three and out a hundred times in the NFL. Like you're going to go three and out a ton of times in the NFL. These defenses are always ahead of the offense. Like I mentioned before in training camp preseason defenses are going to look better. Why don't we give some credit to Robert Sala and what he's done with that defense and how they've improved with the the draft status and the the free agent signings that they've made. Um, I'm not going to knock. I'm not going to knock him. I'm not going to knock Zach Wilson because he struggled a little bit in camp. I expect struggles. I expect him to learn from those struggles and turn that into positive results going forward. So um, I I don't want to get caught up in his limited reps at at training camp where he might only see four or five series, those three and out and two of them. And everybody's, Oh my God, because we got to bring in the backup now to get his reps. So uh, talk to me more when, when I see some preseason action and they can't get anything going or uh, the first game of the year. And we're still looking and like they're, they score six points and can't get anything on it. Then I'll start to be like, I need to see more, Zach Wilson. I need to see more. Yeah. But right now, I'm not too Yeah. I mean, I'd be way more worried if my my offense is scoring every time because that means – doesn't matter how many points you put up. If everyone's going to just run down the field on you and yeah. with the defense with the moves they made, yeah, you yeah. should be happy that the defense well, is making stops. We didn't even bring up the fact that the Jets did bring in Quan Alexander on a one-year deal, the former Saints linebacker, who was a very – Pretty good linebacker. Yeah. I mean, he's not—he's not a slouch. He's a very—he's a very good he's linebacker. Battle injury, yeah, battle injury, but he's a good linebacker. To have him and CJ Mosley there, they got some names on paper in New yeah. York for the defense, man. Yeah. Well, remember, I was excited about him last year, and I might have been a, a year too early. Um, I, you know, I admitted that. Like, you mentioned but, that too, though, that they yeah. were going to get better with Robert yeah. Salah and the piece they had, and the lack of the lack of people who are on the field due to injury. So yeah. coming back this year, if this team can stay healthy, I can't say it out loud because it's just too weird. But you know, them, them Jets, them Jets. I, you, hey, I said, but I said better record than the Patriots last year was the, my bold prediction. Like when we did our bold yeah. prediction. Now it's not my, so bold. Now it's not. No, no. I said it earlier this year too. It's not bold anymore. The Jets will have a better record than the Patriots. I did say I, that before. And then I, I saw their schedule and I was like, Ew. but mm. <laughs> that's, beside the point. that's beside the point. So, so you, you brought up how with Zach Wilson and he goes off the field. Well, his backup quarterback is Joe Flacco. And I've seen multiple plays from Joe Flacco to one Elijah Moore during tra- Jets training camp. AJ, how has Elijah Moore looked in camp now, obviously with Garrett Wilson coming in and they have, I mean, it's, it's a deep, it's a good wide receiver group, and Elijah Moore could be yeah. the leader. I think he is the leader. Uh, I think Elijah Moore made a very important step uh, in the offseason. Uh, only playing 11 games last year, but he made sure that while he was injured and while the offseason was going on, he took everything he could from those 11 games and learned from them. He's come in and he's looked great. I mean, uh, even the day that he didn't look great, the very next day he bounced back, learned from everything learned from most of the mistakes he made and fixed it. And he's been doing it every which way in camp. Doesn't matter. Zach Wilson threw in the ball for 60 yards or Joe or Joe Flacco, where Joe Flacco wasn't even accurate, but he went and go, go get it with a one hand grab that the team can't stop talking about that. The crowd erupts with uh, ADR bombs, 
taking Garrett Wilson under the wing, like you said. I think that he has acknowledged the fact that they brought in a very talented guy. And one, like we talked about the other day, in the NFL, you have to believe you're the best guy on your team. And he wasn't going to let a talented guy like Garrett Wilson come in and supplant him in any way, shape, or form. He's going to work with them and make this team look as good as they are hoping them to be. But I think Elijah Moore has, I don't want to say solidified, but has has the best chance of anybody to be the number one. And, I mean, you probably could say solidify looking at who they have left. So they, they have a really good chance to be really good with him leading the receiver court uh, and not having to worry too much about going all the way down to a Corey Davis and or a Denzel Mims, respectfully. Oh, man. Den- yeah. That's a, that's oh. another name. Denzel Mims was the guy that we were that there was a lot of hope for. And then now he's just lost to the shuffle, I feel like. Four down I, is I find, okay. I find it interesting that the depth chart shows Elijah Moore as an outside receiver. And Garrett Wilson's now listed as the slot receiver. Uh, to start to start and I know it's early but that that's pretty interesting to me because I think Elijah Mitch or Elijah Moore fits that slot receiver yeah. a little bit better than Garrett Wilson I feel like Garrett Wilson's going to end up being a prototypical outside receiver but uh, I, I don't know that Corey Davis is really not in the mix like I think Corey Davis on the field is going to be a factor uh, yeah. it, this might be a discussion about Garrett Wilson having to wait his turn to you know until Corey Davis is gone or until he's not producing in order really get an opportunity to be on the field as much because um, I think Elijah Elijah Moore has established himself as going to be on the field and I think to start the year I think it'll be Corey Davis because he's the veteran because he's been there in the offense that they're going to give him the opportunity before we really get to see a Garrett Wilson you know fly and let's not forget uh Braxton Berrios I know it sounds silly that connection at the end of last year was, yeah. was absolutely real yeah. And he is going to be on the field because he is a Forgot game changer type type of player uh, for them, and they love him. They signed him to a new deal. Uh, so it, I, I'm not saying Garrett Wilson's getting pushed aside by no means. He is a rookie. So he could be that backseat kind of guy to start the year early, and then maybe you see him come on. Maybe it's a, a Monroe St. Brown type situation early in the year. I'm not saying he's going to do what he did late, but where he's not really all the way there, and then he gets better as the year goes on for the country. Hear me correctly. <laughs> I think Gary Wilson's going to have a Justin Jefferson type of start where the first three weeks are, you know, you're like waiting for it. And then that week four, he breaks out and doesn't look back. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to have 14, 1500 yards in his first year or anything, but I do believe it. Yeah. It may be a little slow, but I think you're going to see his talent, his route running, uh, his ability early in this earlier in the season that first quarter take a couple weeks really start learning the speed of the nfl but once that once he gets going i don't think there's any turning back and i think between him and elijah moore uh you're gonna see you gotta see kind of like what happens in arizona you have your two guys that you're trying to throw the ball to all the time and then you have a weapon that you know can go get it in Corey davis and you use him not situate i'm not saying on the field situationally but maybe third and 11 where i've seen garrett wilson do it when we don't need him to but he's doing it but i need this i need to be able to throw the ball somewhere and regardless of where it's at Corey davis is going to come down with it i think you see that start to happen coming week six week seven stuff like that i i just i i just watched so much tape on garrett wilson and i understand it was college but he, oh, he's I agree with impressive you. i agree with he's you i do impressive. think it's one of those when he gets his opportunity there is no looking back i just mean to start the year i don't think it's like right hey this is not a situation where he's coming in and, like a drake lennon and it's going to be forced yeah to be on the field, right? You have guys that think, have been there that, that are going to be there first. They're right. going to trust off, out the gate. 
And then as you slowly like integrate Garrett Wilson and you see what he's capable of, you're like, okay, we can't keep this guy off the field. And yeah. then you start to put him in. And the next thing you know, now it's Corey Davis kind of playing that backseat role and it's Elijah Moore and, and Garrett Wilson. But I do think that'll take time. I don't think that's yeah. week one. I think, like you said, maybe week three, four, five. And as you go further in. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good potential <laughs> pass catchers there in in New York with I mean Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Then no you talk you talk about the pass no catching work for Michael Carter, Brees Hall. You bring in CJ Uzama. You bring in Tyler Conklin. I mean, these are I, every, all these guys no are going to be are going to be catching the in ball. My head, in my head, I'm sitting here like, gosh, imagine if like if two if we're sitting here talking about Tua having this team instead too, like. Like this, that's kind of how I feel. Like you, you're gonna give Zach Wilson a little bit more leeway because it's a second year or whatnot. But like we went from one team that we said didn't have weapons to a team that didn't have weapons. You look at both of these teams and you feel like there's weapons all over the field. They right addressed now. their needs. Yeah. They addressed their needs. Yeah. They went and got them. And they, because when you invest in a first round quarterback that you know after four years or five years you're going to have to pay millions and millions Stupid of dollars you yeah. better be able to tell after four years whether they're the guy it's the same thing the cleveland yep. browns did right they went and yep. surrounded baker mayfield all the talent in the world and said show us why we need to pay you this amount of money and he couldn't do it and so yep. now we're in the same situation with these other teams yeah yeah for sure and i'm i'm so i'm the jets are going to be one of the most this exciting year? teams to watch uh, this Ooh. year and guess what <laughs> football starts tonight jaguars <laughs> raiders tonight thursday night football hall of fame <laughs> game i'm excited for it. aaron sneaky, you have sneaky. the jags aj you also have the jags and i have oh this is what a way to start the season too the jags are getting picked this will be the only <laughs> time this will be friends that yeah. anyone can have <laughs> this will this will be the only time that the jaguars will be the consensus pick <laughs> on this show i can guarantee you that but we will watch this game we'll have fun and we'll be able to give you a recap of this game tomorrow live at 10 a.m eastern time right here on youtube for my best friend aaron mukes and for your boy aj johnson i am me go jags we will see you tomorrow so holla do Don't press that next button. That was a great show, right? You know it, I know it. So let's help somebody else know it. Before you listen to our next episode, go ahead and write us a review and let everyone know how great it is to be a part of the city. Sac City, home of six-star content.